0: That's how the group stage got me feeling. That's how I'm feeling. Good afternoon, everyone. This is episode three of the Spill the Cup podcast. I'm Edgar Chavero. I want to thank everyone who's listened to the first two episodes of the series. We'll be going until the World Cup concludes. We're trying to give the most compelling, the most convenient World Cup talk for you guys, for soccer fans around the U.S. and for soccer fans around the world. My co-host, Jonathan Acosta, won't be with me today. He'll be back with me in Gainesville next week to talk about the results of the knockout rounds for today. If there's anything you don't agree with that you don't like, you can blame it all on me. Talk to me on Twitter about it, at the Edgar Chavero. Like I said, there's plenty to talk about already, plenty to argue about, plenty to cheer about, scream about. The group stage just finished up yesterday, so the first knockout games will be tomorrow, June 30th. The first between France and Argentina, followed by Uruguay and Portugal, That's an unbelievable doubleheader to begin the knockout stages. Looking at Argentina, I hope that reaching the knockout stages feels like taking a monkey off their back for them. That's what I would be saying to them at least if I was Jorge Sampaoli. What a finish that was in the Nigeria game. Marcos Rojo coming out of nowhere, out of nowhere, with a sweet volley to give them the lead in the latter stages of that game in a game where Gonzalo Higuaín missed a slew of chances early and you thought that maybe it would be that same storyline that we saw in the last World Cup. But man, it's funny that after all the criticism Lionel Messi took, and after all the praise that Cristiano Ronaldo received in the build-up and the anticipation to this stage, they're in the exact same spot now almost. We've got Messi as an opening act, 10 a.m. Eastern, and then right after him, it's Ronaldo against Uruguay. And looking at that matchup with Argentina and France, It's two teams that have really both underperformed to this point. Argentina's struggles have been talked about by everyone, and they've had that scare that they didn't know if they were going to qualify for the knockout stage or not. But France has kind of slid under the radar. They've been really fortunate in the way that Argentina have gotten barraged by the media. They've been criticized by everyone. But France have been able to kind of slug through a little bit, and they really haven't hit their stride. But I think this game will be a good test for them as much as it will be for Argentina. Both teams, it's almost a question of being let down by their manager almost. I, I still don't think Didier Deschamps has the best French lineup. He's experimented with Giroud, of course, in a couple games. We saw it work in the second game against Peru, where I think him and Griezmann played well. But it was highlighted in the last group stage match against Denmark. They only completed one pass to each other. And that was a very telling stat in that game. And I think some people will be calling for somebody else up front. Again, we talked about the French fans not being completely behind Giroud all the time. And I think the answer up front might actually be putting Kylian Mbappe up front. I think uh, having him making those runs in the middle may be effective, getting in behind defenders. Uh, Griezmann doesn't necessarily make those runs all the time. He likes to come back for the ball. So I think if you stick Griezmann out in that number 10 role or maybe even in that right wing, uh, it'll just give defenses a little something different to think about, especially an Argentina team who's not known to defend that well, I think it'll give them a lot of problems in that matchup. In regards to Argentina, I'm still so disappointed, and I've been tweeting about it all throughout the tournament, the lack of playing time that Paolo Daibala has seen. For me, it's just very hard to understand why he hasn't played. He only played 20 minutes in the entire group stage round. Angel Di Maria didn't play all that well in the first or in the last game. Some fans were getting frustrated with him. San Paoli still hasn't figured out the best lineup But I think the midfield in that last game against Nigeria did do a better job of being solid and really protecting that back four. You saw scenes of Javier Mascherano being bloody running around everywhere, screaming in the referee's faces. I think he was impressive. Evar Banega definitely put in a good performance. But I would still love to see Paolo Daibala in the place of a guy like Enzo Perez in that midfield. Again, it, it might be too late to start experimenting with that considering that Daibala has only played 20 minutes in the group stages. They seem pretty set on the fact that Davale and Messi can't or just won't play together this tournament. So I think both coaches have very important decisions to make before the game. And they really have to take into effect what they want to do on that day, how they want to attack the other team, and what the other team will be doing to them. It'll be two teams that will both want to control the ball, that'll want to dictate the pace and flow of the game. That'll be a great game. After that one, we've got Uruguay and Portugal. A lot of people will be underestimating a very good Uruguay team in the sense that people might think Portugal has the better team on paper. And while I might agree, in these stages, I wouldn't be surprised if if Uruguay can grind out a 2-1, 3-1 victory. The way that midfield operated with Betancourt, uh, Lucas Torreira, they really looked good breaking up Russia's attack. And Russia was a team that we were talking about last week as one of the most impressive teams so far. And they kind of slipped with just the way that they fell in such a diminishing manner to La Celeste. That'll be a tough one for Portugal, and that defense will definitely have their eye on Ronaldo. They have that Atletico Madrid pairing in the back that's had experience playing against him. So it'll be a very even matchup, but I predict the Y win. And in that France-Argentina game, if you were to put a gun to my head right now, I think I would say that Argentina can come away with a win in that one. Those are the games that are scheduled for tomorrow. The day after that, we'll have Spain Take on Russia, Croatia, take on Denmark. Those will be, I think, the most two straightforward ties of the ones remaining. I don't expect Russia to be able to pull off such an upset against Spain. Spain, I have them third in my power rankings, so to speak, of the top five teams remaining. We'll get into that a little bit later. Before we get into the teams remaining, some of the main headlines. The German champions, the 2014 World Cup champions eliminated from the tournament, finishing last in Group F after losing to South Korea 2-0, to their tournament can be personified by one picture, and that's Manuel Neuer bombing up to midfield, and then Korea slapping a goal on them to end the game. I think that was really a good representation of the Germans in this World Cup. They were so disorganized and disoriented that a lot of blame could be put on Joachim Love's decisions in the World Cup as well as prior to the World Cup. Jonathan and I, in episode one, said that they would rue not taking Leroy Sané. I think Love put a little bit too much faith in a lot of players that weren't on good form that hadn't been performing better than some of the other players that he even had. We talked about Sami Kedira, Mesut Ozil, Thomas Mueller. They were all players that played in the first game of the tournament. Some of them didn't play in the second game, which the Germans won and then were reinstated to the lineup in the third game. So some fans were understandably confused by those decisions and they just weren't helped by the fact that they had to throw so many men forward. But at the same time, again, they lacked so many cutting-edge ideas. They weren't able to put the ball in the back of the net. The staple of the the German game that we remember was that 7-1 thrashing against Brazil. But we didn't see anything close to that type of clinical finishing that we were accustomed to by the Germans, that type of ruthless blitzkrieg mentality. That's not at all what they looked like in this tournament. And they have nobody to blame but themselves. It might be a little bit harsh considering that they have a lot of star players on their team but again it's very hard to re-motivate a certain group of players that have already won this tournament just four years ago and it's the fourth out of the last fifth former champion to crash out in the group stage after so it's a trend that we would have to keep an eye on for future years and one the germans unfortunately fell victim to in this one i want to get into my top five teams from the ones remaining i predicted before the tournament and on episode one of spill the cup that Brazil would be taking the tournament home. I stand by my pick once again. They clock in as number one in my power rankings. At number two, I have Croatia, a team that won their three games in the group stage, looked very impressive in command of everything they did. They were even able to pull off an impressive victory against Iceland two to one in the last stage of the group game in a game that they didn't even need to win. They're already qualified. They were even able to rest some of their midfielders, some of their star players going forward. So I like them. And they'll be eventually taking on Spain in the quarterfinal. Spain, who I have at number three in my power rankings, followed by Uruguay and Belgium. If you have a different top five from the teams remaining, go ahead and tweet me them at the Edgar Chavero. The next set of games sees Brazil take on Mexico. What a game that is. Two of the most prominent soccer cultures in the world. I think Mexico will almost benefit from the fact that they were on by Sweden 3-0 because they were so upbeat and so high after their victories over Germany another one over South Korea that they needed to be humbled a little bit and that match will really prepare them for a team that will come at them in a way Brazil will Brazil plays with that confidence up front and you have to prepare for so much when you prepare for them because they can just beat you in so many ways we expected Neymar to lead the way for Brazil but really it's been Felipe Coutinho that's been their star player. We saw Paulinho scored a great goal in their last game against Serbia in the group stage. So they've just been coming at it from all fronts. They're going to be a relentless attack. So it'll be a tough test for Mexico to not only control that Brazilian attack, but also get through that defense that, again, has only conceded one goal. Marcelo will be a key thing to watch. The status of Marcelo, the left back, suffered an injury in the last match of the group stage. He's got a capable replacement in Felipe Luis behind him. But Marcelo adds that element of attacking flair on that left side. He gets to come up and link with Neymar. So that'll be something to watch for Brazil. For Mexico, I think the most important thing for them is to work on their finishing. We touched on their finishing in the last two episodes of Spill the Cup. Really, that, that Sweden match, 3-0 was kind of a tough scoreline for them. There was an unlucky penalty in that. You talk about maybe a couple opportunities here and there. Mexico can kind of scrape one, go back, maybe fight themselves back in that game. But it'll definitely be an interesting match for them. But if you were to ask me to predict one, I think Brazil will win this one 3-1, sending the Mexicans home. The other matchup that day has Belgium playing Japan. Belgium getting to play Japan after edging England 1-0 in the last game of their group stage. I fully see Belgium taking care of the weakest team remaining in the round of 16, in my opinion. Even if there is no Romelu Lukaku for Belgium, they have so much attacking talent. They showed it against England. Even Marwan Fellaini came on and put in a shift. They had Dries Mertens who came off the bench and tested Jordan Pickford with a vicious strike. Adnan Yanuzai popped in what was a left-footed purler for the goal of the game. So Belgium are another team that has shown that they can beat you in a lot of different ways. Meanwhile, they got to rest important players like Kevin De Bruyne. They got to rest Vertonghen. So I think Roberto Martinez has done a very good job of managing them. And I see them getting a victory over Japan comfortably 2-0, That'll set up a very nice quarterfinal match between Belgium and Brazil. I won't give you my prediction just yet, not because I want to keep you waiting, just because I don't want to be a fool and be wrong, and I've got a little bit more time to think about that. The last set of round of 16 matches will be played on July 3rd between Sweden and Switzerland. The first one, the second one being between England and Colombia. I think. While those are the last set of rounds of 16 matchups, they definitely shouldn't be overlooked because they represent, honestly, some of the most evenly matched. Sweden and Switzerland, two teams that are going to go at each other, two teams that are going to defend well. They're going to be tough. Two teams that nobody really expects to make a lot of noise, but Sweden are coming in with a lot of confidence. Again, they finished top of the group over Germany, Mexico. Switzerland are a team that fought out of a tough group with Brazil and Serbia, Two of their players, again, Grani Jaka and Jordan Shaqiri, were able to escape the investigation of FIFA over their celebrations and their goals against Serbia. Their coach, Vladimir Petkovic, wasn't happy with with the way they performed in their last group stage match. So they'll be a little bit more prepared for this one. Meanwhile, the last game between England and Colombia, those are two of the most evenly matched teams, in my opinion. I think one of the key things to watch will be the status of James Rodriguez for Colombia. He came off in the last group stage match against Senegal because of a muscular injury. If he can't go, that'll put a lot of responsibility on Quintero, on Cuadrado, on those players to create a lot more of the offense, really get the ball to Ramey Falcao and cause issues for the English defense. England, they lost their last group stage match to Belgium, but they rested a lot of players there. They didn't play Harry Kane, of course. Their midfield was pretty much all absent. Dele Ali, Jesse Lingard, Raheem Sterling, another one. So they were missing a lot of their creative players and they wanted to rest them, but it'll be important for them to get back into that rhythm right away that they were playing with, that swagger that Gareth Southgate had them playing with early. He had them playing with pace, a lot of movement. They were connecting really well together, showing a lot of unity among the squad. We'll see if they can shake off the last defeat to Belgium and get the ball rolling against Colombia. And again, they finished second in that group, but... It actually might benefit them later on because they'll be playing the winner of the Sweden and Switzerland game after. And after that, they've got a match against the winner of the Spain or Croatia matchup in the other bracket. So to round off my predictions there, I have Sweden keeping their almost their World Cup Cinderella story going. I think they'll have enough to take care of Switzerland, a team that was maybe a little bit rattled against Costa Rica in that last game. Then I have England, maybe In one of the most thrilling fashions of the tournament, taking care of Colombia, I think that'll be a really good game. I think England can maybe pull it off 3-2 against a team that might not have their star player in James. So that'll set up a great quarterfinal matchup there. Looking at some of the most impressive players so far, I've really been impressed by a lot of the creative midfielders in these tournaments. Isco has been so influential for Spain. Felipe Cortinho has been great for Brazil. David Silva has been another one. Kevin De Bruyne has really controlled those games for Belgium. Luka Modric and even Rakitic have really performed very well. Some of the players I think I'd like to see a little bit more from for France. Paul Pogba I think should do a little bit more creatively in that midfield. As well as Antoine Griezmann up front doing a better job linking up the midfield with those attacking players. I think Kylian Mbappe has been really their best player so far in this tournament. So, if Griezmann can get going, I think that'll really improve their chances of beating Argentina. Vice versa for Argentina, Gonzalo Higuain really should improve from his recent performances. Sergio cunaguero has hasn't performed up to his usual standards. Neither has Angel Di Maria. Those are three players around Messi that can do a better job of taking the load off him against France and after if they want to move forward. Once again, I want to thank you guys for listening to the Spill the Cup podcast. This was episode three. I can't wait for the results of the knockout stages to be in. I can't wait to link up again with my co-host Jonathan Acosta next week. If you'd like to chat on Twitter, at the Edgar Chavero. anything you heard today, have a great weekend and enjoy the rest of the World Cup action.